glad to have you here this morning. We're in a series on, uh, in the book of Ephesians called Real Church. And we're opening up uh, different parts of that, of that letter. And uh, we're going to do so again today. Um, we're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But today, we're going to talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit. And over the next few weeks, we'll get into deeper dimensions of that. I want to start today with this topic titled, The Gift and the Giver. Bono, who is the lead singer of U2, once said, I often wonder if religion is the enemy of God. It's almost like religion is what happens when the Holy Spirit has left the building. I also think it's the same to say that it's like when the Holy Spirit really isn't working in the life of people that carry around one of these things, right? So that's not the way it's supposed to be. There were 11 men seated around a table and he begins to, t- not Bono, but Jesus begins to tell them <laughs> that he's going away. But it will be better for them because what he's about to do in the next 24 hours will open the gates of heaven on earth in a manner that's never been before. That he promises them, can you imagine their heads swirling around? Their whole hopes are in him and he says he's leaving. And... Uh, So he feels that, and he says, listen, I'm not going to leave you like orphans. In other words, I'm not going to leave here, and then you guys take your sand, and you add it to the pharisaical, desert-dry manifestation of what they're calling serving God, and add your sand to their dry religion. No, no, no. It's going to be better for you that I go away, because when I go away, someone else is coming. And so... He comes out of the grave, and for the next 40 days, according to Luke's account in Acts 1, by the Holy Spirit, Jesus teaches these men what it's going to be like now uh, when he, not Jesus, when this someone comes. And he says that it will define what you've always wondered the kingdom of God meant, and You're going to know what that means, how God's going to rule in this age when he comes. And on one of those occasions, he tells them, now, I want you not to move. I want you not to go. Don't leave the city, but wait. Wait until the one that the Father promises comes. And so then he says, you know how you would go, they went out into the Jordan River and they were immersed a little bit of my Baptist coming out. You were, you were immersed in the Jordan. In just a few days, you're going to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. And from that time on, they waited. Day of Pentecost had fully come. Eleven of them, along with the newly elected, draw the lots guy, Matthias, to make it twelve. Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his earthly biological brothers, and others totaling 120, because how do we know 120? Because, as we've said before, Luke's all about the details. 120 in that room, who were the first to receive the power of the new age, and through the coming of the Holy Spirit, his residence now, not just in the world, but in in the men and women in that room, clothing them with a power that was on Jesus of Nazareth. And those 12 and others go out into the ends of the earth, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even the uttermost parts of the earth, which meant the Roman Empire of the day. But aren't you glad it didn't stop there? Someone brought the gospel to us. That's why we're here. Question, do we know what that power is for? Do we know that in our bodies, for truly believers, that we are temples of the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that filled Simon, James, John, Stephen, Philip, is in us? Do you know that He, the Holy Spirit, wants to minister? Jesus to us and through us. In this series, Real Church, in in Ephesians, 
I've been talking about you and me and the LOH and how we are called to live out this mission in a way that's worthy of how it's been defined in here. And we're going to focus on the only way we can do that, and it's through the gift of the giver, the Holy Spirit, who is called the promise of the Father. We're going to talk about that. The gift that Jesus told us we would receive when we really believe. So we're in Ephesians, though, and so we're going to look at the context from there. What does the letter of Ephesians reveal about the gift of the Holy Spirit? And I pray the Holy Spirit will open that door up to us today. So would you join me in one more prayer? Let's just get quiet before the Lord for a few seconds. Lord, all over this room and people who will be watching and are watching, perhaps, You don't want a dry and thirsty land to be our way of living with knowledge of Scripture in our head and the author distant from our lives. And so we pray today that once again another dynamic, incremental deposit of God would take residence in every heart. Not one of us, including me, can do one thing apart from your touch and your work in us and through us, and we ask for all that. And we actually pray that if there is one today, or more than one, who has never really believed, that this would be that day. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. You good with that? Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Let's go. In him, that's Jesus, in him, that's Jesus, you also, after listening, now don't mind the, what I have in brackets, I'm going to nerd out in a minute on that, but not yet. In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, which is the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who, the Holy Spirit is a person, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. One of my new favorite phrases. Would you say this with me? To the praise of his glory. You know what what I want to do? I want to replace the you pronoun in there uh, and and do it this way and, and, and encourage you to, when you read it, read it like this. In him, I also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of my salvation, having believed I was sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of my inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, and I'll add, that's me, to the praise of his glory. Is that good? I want to break this passage up. We're talking about the person of the Holy Spirit in three little compartments. We're going to start with this. I call this the Greek reveal. The Greek reveal. Um, And what I mean by that is, When the gospel was preached first and the letters were written after uh, some decades of the gospel being preached, God brought the gospel in the world when the whole world was speaking Greek. Uh, You know, pretty much in the world today, in the global uh, commercial, economic, global economy, political world, the language that everybody speaks pretty much is English. So there's just a common language. Back then, it was Greek. And uh, what's so interesting about Greek, for instance, the difference between Greek and, and, and English, just one. You know, we have one word for love. They have four. And so depending on the word used in the Greek language for love, you know what kind of love. We can say, I love hamburgers, and I love Jesus. I, 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 I love chocolate. And I... <laughs> What, don't you, aren't you glad Roberta loves our church, huh? Roberta? I think I'm going to get a seat and just have her right there. Yeah. What's Tim like, Roberta, Why, since you've just butted in? What's Tim like? Huh? Yeah, what kind? <laughs> I'll never forget that. Mark that down for staff Tuesday morning. Anyway, 
I want you to look at this. See the brackets? See the brackets after listening? Uh, nerding out. It, it's telling us about a, a grammatical sentence structure in the Greek that, that brings something out that you wouldn't see. Uh, it's in a tense called the aorist tense with a participle ending, meaning that the word for listening, which is hearing, a aku- uh, Akue, which means to be under the voice, uh, it's, it's in an aorist, which means there is an action that wasn't like a continual action. There is a moment in time action, having listened, having heard, or after listening and after hearing. It'd be like saying, after today's message, you acted on that aorist moment, and what they did was, after listening, and he says what they listened to, they listen to the message of truth, the message, which, which is also, what is the message? The gospel of your salvation. There's one translation that says, the message that God saves you. I love that, right? Having believed, now the word believed is also in the aorist, and it's also a participle, meaning there was a moment in time, everybody say moment in time. Yeah. A moment of time that came after hearing, after listening. In that moment of time, because you did something in that moment of time, God did something, right? And it says, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit, and then it breaks down levels of what that means. We're going to look at that. After listening to, it says, the message. The word message is the word logos. It's the same word that John uses in John 1 when he talks about Jesus. He says, in the beginning was the Logos. And the Logos was with God and the Logos was God. Now stop. This word Logos was a very widely known word in the Roman Empire all the way back to the Greek days of Alexander and on. When you said the word logos, it, it, here's what it would mean. It's like, it's like the real meaning behind it all. If, if you were out in the coffee line today and, and, and you were talking about you and, and your friend or your, your group of friends or your husband or your spouse, you've just vegged out over the last couple of days and just watched a whole Netflix series of blah, 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 whatever it was. And someone said, well, what was it about? Well, you're not going to go in, now some would, but you're going to all the details. Well, in episode one, you're not going to do that, but you're going to give them the gist of it, right? That's what the Logos means. There was a song back in the... I wasn't born yet. It was like late 60s. Yeah, it was. was Uh, Alfie. And there was a line in it. What's it all about, Alfie? Right? And how about our friend Linus? That after Charlie Brown laments, is this what Christmas... Right? Is all about... He goes, I'll tell you what Christmas... I'll give you the Logos of Christmas. So what he's saying here is, there was a moment you listened and you believed and and what did you listen and believe? The message of this truth. Jesus, the Logos, was not just a concept that the philosophers of Greek were wanting to know what's the concept, what's it really about? And John uses this brilliantly to say the Logos became human and lived among us. We saw him. He revealed God to us. So Paul says that's what you heard, and when you believed it, God did something. What did you hear? The logos of what? The logos of truth. The Greek word is aletheia. It means reality. Have you heard anybody say today when somebody talks about their belief and they go, well, good, good on you. Uh, good, no, I'm not mocking. I'm just saying, good, good on you. That's your truth. Baby, you hold to your truth. That's your truth. Whatever your truth is, right? Your truth. Like the sky is green. I don't want people to think I hate you, so I'm not going to say, nah, but that's your truth. So, right? Well, not everything is the truth. And what Paul says is the gospel of salvation of all the mishmash from all time. This is the Aletheia. This is the real Logos. The gospel of your salvation. Remember last week when I talked about the the, the fivefold ministers needing to stay in the accusative singular of being on task of equipping, staying on course? This is the task of the church. To be on course is to present to this world the Logos of the truth. Right? All right. The reality. 
So when you believed in that, it says you were sealed. The word is sragizo. So the next time you go down to Tony's restaurant and a waitress comes over and says, what would you like to drink? Uh, you just say, throw me one of those sfragizos. But now this isn't an Italian word. They won't know the difference unless, unless you've taught them. Uh, I'll just have to say that Tony sang to me the other, the other day for my birthday in Italian. I felt the Holy Spirit, man, when, 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 when you did, when you did, right? When you did that. Anyway, so this word is not an Italian word. It's a Greek word. But is it? You know, you're out and you just say, sfragizzo. You say, who are you? What do you know? You're so interesting. The word means secured. When you believed, you were sealed. But it doesn't just mean secured. This is why it's so great that he, that he brought all this out when the word was speaking Greek because it, doesn't, it means you've been made permanent. It's a sign of ownership. It means that the contents are claimed by another. It means that not only are you claimed, but there is a, there's a seal on you that guarantees that you arrive at the destination shipped. With what? The Holy Spirit of promise. Who made this promise? God made this promise. God made this promise. Sfragizzo on you. Meaning you're sealed. You're claimed. No matter what anyone else thinks. No matter what you go through. No matter how shaking it might be in your life right now. There's an unshakable promise. He will never leave you. He's inside of you. The Holy Spirit... Now, they didn't have a New Testament. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, they preached Jesus out of the only Bible there was, the Hebrew Scriptures. You know, you, you know what's a great thing to do? Go into the prophets of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and some of the minor prophets, and, 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 and Zechariah for one, and, and, and read the, the way that God is, uh, is taking the Dixie Cup spirit of these prophets and filling it with Niagara Falls, and you can't hold all that. And so you're trying to describe the coming of this new age, the coming of the spirit. And, he, and they use all these poetic, prophetic, vast, deeply rich descriptions to tell us what God's going to do in the lives of people who receive the promised Holy Spirit. Man. And it also says you get sealed, but it's also this. It's a pledge. Do you have time for this little Greek nerd stuff? It's pretty good, isn't it? Huh? Pledge is the word arabon. And it means that when you make a pledge to somebody, it's with deep earnestness. It is with heartfelt sincerity. And this pledge is from who? It's from God the Father. When the Holy Spirit comes into us, it's like he is with all his heart making a promise to you. You're mine. You believed in my son. I really embrace that you've honored my son. You want to be on my good side? You already are. But if you really want to be even more, two things, whoppers and just like my grandkids. You're in, man. If you like God's son and you love him, you go up the, you go up the popularity pole with God. Now, here's what I thought, too. Remember when Jesus said to Thomas, and I'm off my message, but I'm not. When Jesus said to Thomas, blessed are those who haven't seen and yet believe. I was thinking the other day, uh, God was trying to say a couple things to encourage me, and he said, you know, I really, I really think a lot of people that are living 2,000 years after this message, never seen, you believe it? Blessed are you. So, so, that's the Greek. Let's talk of the Genesis effect of all this. Um, we read in the 13th verse that somebody, that there was a moment in time when you, the Ephesians and us, you heard and you believed. And the Genesis effect of that means this, that someone was working on you before you and I came to that moment of believing. 
That's why I, I want to never put ministry to kids at a lower priority than it is in our church. It's a high priority. It's a non-negotiable. Why? Because when I was a little kid, Eric, right? When we were little kids, Eric has a Bible with him today. What did you call it? Now, he's got a 1978 The Way well, uh, out of, from your days in the, in the Catholic church. God love, man, right? And, and he still has that thing because of moments in his life when God spoke to his heart and began to deposit the word of God in him. You might come from another stream. You might come from a Presbyterian, a Methodist, a Baptist, a whateverist. You don't know what you are and you're not really sure and you're not really care. Just give me Jesus. But anyway, someone invested in you and in me. I'm so thankful for Sonia's mom. She was one of my Sunday school teachers when I was a little kid. And I was listening a little bit, but thinking a lot a bit about whether my Vikings were going to win later in the day. And they always did until they got the Super Bowl and broke my heart three times. I took my toboggan, that's what we used to call those hats, went out on my front porch and threw it in the yard. I divorced the Vikings, man. And I, I, ju I jumped on the, the Steeler bandwagon. and I'm up for grabs. Point being that there was somebody working on you, somebody working on me, and, they were, and God might have used a human being, but he was doing it. God the Father declared before time began that the message of the gospel of Jesus would someday reach your ears and grace your heart to not only hear it, but actually believe it. You didn't do that by yourself. The, the grace of God gave you. The grace of God gave you the ability to hang all of your hopes on the message of Aletheia, the reality of the gospel. You know, it's like, it was like in the, in, in, in the day when the Logos spoke all things were made by the Logos, and not one thing was made that has been made by him. So God the Father, the Son came out of the heart, spoke it, and the Spirit of God, all three God, was the agent in the earth to bring to light out of nothing what the Son spoke that the Father from his heart moved him to speak. And that's how you and I believed. And now, with the Holy Spirit in our life, we live in a continual Genesis effect as we allow ourselves to come into this book with the author deeply close to us as we live by faith, and he will continue to Genesis our life. Genesis our life. Samuel Chadwick was a great preacher and Bible teacher in the 19th century. He said, the church that's man-managed instead of God-governed is doomed to failure. A ministry that is education-oriented only but not spirit-filled works no miracles. Let's talk about something else about this passage. I want you to see the connection between the Son and the Spirit. You go back to John chapter 1 and, and John the baptizer, and the reason I say that is because he wasn't a Baptist. He was a baptizer. What the, what, and the chosen, what does Simon Peter call him in the chosen series? Freaky John, right? I love that, right? Freaky John. Well, he, was, you know, he never wore a suit, for sure. And he ate bugs. I'm not sure if wild honey is as good as the honey that Connor and Nikki give me. Keep it coming, loves, keep it coming. Good stuff. But John said, I didn't recognize him, but he, God, who sent me to immerse people in water, said to me, he upon, notice the connection, whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon. See that? The dove, the symbol, the person of the Spirit is always wanting to be with Jesus. This is the one who will listen. I love this. Baptizing, we've, we've, we've religiousized it too much. Think of it this way. The one who would come to you in the water that you would immerse, picture that. The Logos. He will be the one that will immerse in the Holy Spirit. Ooh, come on, man. Almost got, almost felt that, you know. From... Now, then Jesus said this in John 7. 
Jesus says this, he who believes in me, there's that moment, it's an aorist, it's an aorist tense in this, he who plants it all, hangs it all in me, believes me. As the Old Testament that we would say, or as the only Bible of the day says, generally speaking, if you read Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and the minor prophets, here's the gist of it. Here's the logos of that. Out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. What a description. Come on. But this he spoke of the Spirit, notice this, whom those who, errorist, believed in him, would, and this is passive, receive. You actively believe, and, you, and God does the action to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given. Why? Because he's totally associated with Jesus. Because Jesus was not yet glorified. You see that connection? When I think of river living water, I couldn't help but fail to think. I was on my treadmill yesterday walking, and this popped in my head. I thought, there. remember the flood of 96? Right? My basement would get a little bit of small, you know, trickle in water. And we get up and it's raining, right? And I'm thinking, I got to get to Walmart because we don't have a we don't have a wet vac. So I go to Walmart. By the time I get back from Walmart, up the street we had this culvert that took that took water under the road and away from our house to a brook down behind our house. Well, that thing got clogged, and when I turned the corner, there was a river, and I don't mean a str- I mean a river, heading straight to my house. And it was coming with such force that as I turned the corner, I was waiting to see my house just float down the street. Thank God it didn't. But all of my yard did, and all of my driveway did, and everybody's furniture from up above the hill landed and made residence in my front yard. Our front yard looked like the planet Mars for a couple months. Now that, I thought of that picture and I wanted to flip it. Because that river came to destroy and tear down. This is saying, Jesus said, when you errorist the gospel in me, you hang it all with all your mysteries, all your questions, all your, I don't understand, and why didn't God this when I prayed, and and you thought that, and listen, get off what street and just dive in and errorist the gospel in your life. When you do, I'm going to put the Holy Spirit in you as the Bible promises, and it's going to be like this. In you, it'll be a well, but it'll bubble up like a river, and out of you, out of you, would, oh, if the church would ever get in the out of us business, out of us. We're not Hindus, just more and more, more and more, more and more, more and more, so I can just levitate and float around church. Woo! That'd be all right, but, I'm, but if that's all, there are people who are living in false aletheia. There are people who are logos and things that aren't the logos. Oh, whatever. And, 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 and with their post-traumatic scripture disorders are christening and sanctifying everything but what Jesus offers. And we have to show the difference. Not with argument, not with flag planting, not with what we heard Sean Hannity say. But out of your innermost being flows something that's not from here, that makes people believe in there, in the one who brought it. The amens aren't drowning me out. This is the best part right now. If this was T.D. Jakes at his church, the guy would be on the organ going, da, 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 da. If you play an organ, see me. We got work to do. We got to change the world. Here's another thing Jesus said in the 14th chapter of John. If you love me, you will keep. The word means to treasure. Like the love notes that you got in seventh grade. It came like a wrapped up paper football and they flipped it over to you and you got it, right? Put the red, oh my God, right? Treasure it, treasure it. If you, if you not, to, not to make light of this. Dear Jesus, I didn't mean that regarding how we do your word. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father. We're talking about the Holy Spirit and the connection with Jesus. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another. See the word underlined another, or not underlined, but highlighted? Tim does a good job of that. Helper, that he will be with you forever. That is, who is it? The Holy Spirit of true, Aletheia, whom the world cannot receive. Why? Because it does not see him, and they, didn't, they don't know him. 
but you know him. Look at this. Because he abides with you. Where? Remember Thomas and them? They're like, what are you talking about? Remember that night? They're like, show us the Father and we'll, we'll believe. He's like, have I not been with you all this time? And they're like, who, who are you now? I mean, what? we don't know where you're going, so how do we know? Remember? It's just like a big, I don't know, I don't know night. And in that, he's trying to comfort them and tell them it's important that he goes away because this someone who is another helper was going to come, and he won't leave them as orphans. And then he says, he goes, this, he said, another helper is coming, and then he says, I won't leave you, I'll come. What? Another's coming, and I'm leaving, but I'm not going to leave you alone, I'm coming. And it's not meaning the second coming, he's meaning in a couple days, 40, count them. What? You know why? Because in the Greek, the word another can mean one of a completely different kind as if I have a certain coat and I say, you know what? I want a new coat. I'm going up to the store to get me a new coat. I don't come back with the exact same one. But someone says, oh, you got another coat. Yeah, not the same one, but it's another. What if you go and buy one of the exact, you love your coat so much, you start getting you think, I love this coat so much, I'm getting another one exactly like it. Hey, look, you got another coat, right? Or you got another uh, Aston Martin, right? And if you get more than one Aston Martin, you don't care if it's the same or different. This word here in this context is Jesus is saying, another helper of the exact same kind is coming. So if it's him, it's me, it's me, it's him, but all that we're different. That's the mystery of the Trinity. Here's the point. The Holy Spirit and Jesus cannot be separated in character, in nature, in action, what they're about, right? So if we're not afraid of Jesus, why be afraid of the Holy Spirit? You ever know, oh, I don't want our church to get too ghosty. Well, the Holy Spirit is the Jesus ghost, if you're going to use that terminology. And, uh, you know, I've heard people say, well, the Holy Spirit will never do anything that will make you feel afraid. And I, I went, now, wait, let's not, let's not just... Let's not claim, make that make what we think that means. Because, you know, the same Jesus that spoke the word and healed somebody, a couple other times, he, one time he spit in the ground and got made mud out of his spit. How many of you are in that denomination, right? We're in the mud and the spit denomination. No. Well, he did that one time, but then another time he spit in the dude's eye. And you know what? Some of us were raised up with that decently in an order passage so we don't throw at everything that doesn't fit in our little comfort zone. How many people when he did that would have said, wait a second, I thought the Bible said they didn't written yet that it's supposed to be decent in an order. Did you see he just put spit in the guy's? uh, Here's the question. Did the guy see? So here's the thing. The Holy Spirit won't ever do anything that Jesus wouldn't do. But we don't always know what. How many of you would raise your hand high to say, I don't care what Jesus does. I just want him to save people and heal people and set people free. Huh? How many of you would allow Jesus and the Holy Spirit to take over our church? What else did he say? I won't leave you. I'll come to you. Here's another little compartment as the clock keeps rolling along about the Holy Spirit. I want to talk for a minute about the generous nature of God and the God-filled. The Holy Spirit, remember how I said when he, when he sealed us and, and he made the pledge, it came from the earnestness of his heart? Well, you know what the price was to get the Holy Spirit into our lives? Do you know what it was? you know what it was? It's the scripture that probably even atheist Richard Dawkins could quote. For God so loved the world that he gave... Let me me ask you this. Is God filled with God? Right? Can God be anything other than himself? 
Jesus, the Logos, gives us the Logos of God. And he says, here's, 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 who, here's who God is. He loves the world so much that he gave his only son, his only begotten son, that whoever believes would not, uh-oh, there's one of those post-traumatic scripture disorder words, perish. That's how much he loves. But have, what's the next two words? Eternal life. The Greek word is zoe. It means a life force that's indestructible and inextinguishable. It doesn't just mean get you to heaven. It would be just as correct to say John 3.16 this way. Next. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, because this is what eternal life is, but have the Holy Spirit living within them and releasing the nature of the giver. The reason I say it that way is because the real, ev- people say, what's the real evidence of a spirit-filled believer? Is it this manifestation or is it this gift? Is it tongues? Is it not tongues? What is it? You know what I believe the real evidence of spirit-filled living is? Giving. Giving. That's why I asked you if God's filled with God. And who did he give to? Who did he give to? And what did he give to Whoever. Let's get out of the religion. Think about it. My little grandson was up here. My granddaughter. I can't comprehend that. Can you comprehend that? You know, for, for, for a good person, someone might dare to die. But God demonstrated his love for us in this while we were yet sinners. Asabia is the Greek word which means not only, oops, I made a mistake, but was thumb your nose up care less mistake. And it wasn't a mistake. Some would dare to die for a good man. But God demonstrated his love while we were thumbing it up. He died for us. Huh? You know why? Because the true nature of God is giving. And if the Holy Spirit really fills the church, we're a spirit-filled church. We're split 14 ways. Oh, Lord, send a Holy Ghost revival to Cumberland. Well, do your pastors ever get together? Do you define fellowship and relationship on what version of the Bible you read? Is that your deal breaker? Is that where you wage war? Fox News or CNN? MAGA? Non-MAGA? Spirit-filled of what? What spirit? James and John. Remember the time when Jesus said, you guys don't know what spirit you're of right now. No. We cannot become holy enough to earn the presence of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to. The giver and the gift, his nature is so generous. And there's been people who say, well, if you would really get your act together, God would move in your church. Well, some of us can't get our act together. And the last time I checked, Jesus wasn't into actors. You know what draws God? Not us cleaning up, cleaning up. It's us admitting we're broken up. And we need him. And we all do. Especially the top dog. Think why, and there is no top dogs. But why does God make it hard for me? Why does God make it hard for spiritual leaders? Why are there wars probably that we fight? Not because we're more important. But because... We have to stay broken lest we think we are the anointing that's on us. 
We can only become what we can never become with the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. And he so longs to help us. Now, in the old covenant, God said, if you will, I will. It was a lesson because they all said, we will. Remember? And Joshua said, they said, Joshua told them, do this, da, da, da. And they said, we'll do it all. And he goes, no, you, no, you won't. But uh, I'll be, by the, uh, uh, three days after I'm dead, you'll be worshiping trees and stuff. But uh, the old covenant was a teacher to show us we weren't what Satan said. By knowledge, you can become like God. So God said, I'll give you the best knowledge you could ever have about holiness. And Paul goes, I worked my head off to try to do that. In my heart, I wanted to. But I proved myself I'm a wretched, right? So that's the old covenant purpose. The new covenant that's mentioned in the old, God says, you proved you can't, but I'm not like you. Because I'm a giver. So here's what I'm going to do in the new. I will. I will forgive you of all your sins. I will put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my ways, and you will know me. How many of you would rather be under the Old Testament? I like the new. Selfishness and self-centered religion will swallow up the life of God. But here's a, here's a picture of spirit-filled living. It's giving, like the woman who poured at the feet of Jesus that expensive perfume. Like Zacchaeus, when, was Jesus filled with God? Right? When Jesus is walking along on his way to a bigger thing more important than what anybody else was doing at the day, on his way to Jerusalem to give his life, there's a little man, and we know from the Baptist, he's a wee little man. <laughs> and a wee little man was he, right? And what did he do? Why? And the Lord, did you guys learn this? And yeah, the Lord looked down and said, "Come on, because I'm, I'm going to your house today." You know who that guy was? He was a ripoff. He took so much off the top. He was a wee little man, but he was a big, rich man. And Jesus didn't say, you give up that. You turn, hey, huh? No, he said, you know what? I can't be in your body, but I could come and be in your house. Nobody wanted to be in his house. They hated him. And you know what? It doesn't even say in there that Jesus had an organ player at the end of the dinner and they did just as I am and Zacchaeus on the third, on the third round went to the altar and prayed the prayer with the deacons. All of a sudden he just goes, you know what? All the stuff that I took off the top, I pay it back seven times more. What's he doing? What's he doing? And you know what Jesus said? Here's a real Christian. Didn't he? This man's a real son of Abraham. Other people were calling him a son of other things. He's a real son of Abraham. That's right. You don't think they were? Probably Simon Peter was. You think Simon Peter was walking around singing gospel hymns? This guy's, well, Simon went for the job. He wasn't just trying to cut Malchus's ear off, you know. And that's a water walking three years in apprentice. The, the, the real evidence of spirit-filled living is giving extravagantly. Watchman Nee said this about why it's so important that we stay in pace with the Genesis effect of the Holy Spirit. He said, do not grow overconfident following a few victories. Should you stop relying upon the Holy Spirit, you will soon be thrown once more into a distressing experience of your Christian life. With holy diligence, you have to cultivate a complete attitude of dependency on the Holy Spirit. And so, that's how we approach this. Where's that awesome move worship band? You want to see those guys come back up here again? Yeah. Yeah. Pray that they never leave. Right. 
So now, he said, look, it was the night when he told them he's leaving them, right? It's the night he broke the bread. You have yours? You have yours? Take the lid off the bread. On the night he, he told them he's leaving, they told them not to worry, not let their hearts be troubled, because another of the same kind was not only going to come and be with them, he was going to be in them. In them. And then he says, he takes the bread. You have the bread? He takes the bread. And he says, this is my body. Huh. Is that giving? Broken for, just think of your name right now. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our avon, iniquities. The word avon means, listen, he was crushed for our avon, deep perversions. There is no need for you or me to carry around the guilt of deep depravity that you may have been involved in when Jesus gave his body to be whipped to free you from the penalty of your deep perversions. He was wounded for our transgressions, which are our out-of-bounders. He was crushed for our avon. And he says, this is my body for you. Do this in remembrance of me. What I'd like you to do today because Jesus wants to heal our minds so we can have a receptive attitude because he deeply wants to flood us with the presence of his healing Holy Spirit. Would you take the bread and eat it by faith? The most that a Jew could be whipped under Jewish law was 39 times. But under Roman law, it was unlimited. Some say that Jesus may have been whipped over 600 times. Isaiah said that he didn't even look human. But on the cross, he, not, he shed his blood. He began bleeding before the six hours on the cross. I don't believe Jesus was a weak man, but he needed someone to carry that beam because he was beaten beyond humanities, and he still walked up that hill. But before that, again, in the context of another one just like me is coming, he's going to be on side, inside of you. Here's how that happens. Here's how you get sealed by the Father. This is my blood shed for you. Think of you. Shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. The word forgiveness means to pick up and put on your shoulder what doesn't belong to you, but because you love the one that's carrying the burden, you pick it up and you take it far away from them. He's looking you right in the eyes. He's looking you right in the eyes. He's saying, I want you to drink this because it's for you. I want to carry your sin completely away from you. Because I want your mind to be ready because the Father, the reason we're doing this, we would rather die than live without you. And all the angels are waiting to party on this when you in the errorist tense, believe. Drink. I would like you to stand, please. These guys are going to play. I asked the Holy Spirit, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, when we get to the end, you know, pastors, none of us are good at altered things or whatever. And it's always funky and, you know, 
I don't want to just do something to do something, but I just ask the Lord, you know, Lord, it's yours. How, how, what do you want to do? And, and I, I can't say that, that, and he said, Tim, son of Galen. I can't say that. But, uh, but this kind of came into my mind. Like, I felt this in my mind. All right? There are people in here today. Uh, you're, you're, you're a real believer. And uh, you're, maybe your relationship with the Holy Spirit uh, when it comes to a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being, man, I feel God's presence all the time, is more, like, uh, more like when you go in to get an x-ray of your tooth. You know, they, they, put, all, they put that big lead thing on you because apparently the radiation's coming. I've never felt it. I never went, ow, you know, when I did a chest x-ray. But they put that thing on you, right? And maybe some of you are more like, you're, you're walking with God, you know the Holy Spirit, I just showed you, and you're like, I believe that. But it's more like the x-ray walk. You don't necessarily always feel it or feel him. And it's not necessarily that you want to feel him, although I, I, if you're like me, I, turn the feeler up, Lord. <laughs> you know, I, man, Monday morning especially, I'd love to wake up and be like, he's in my life. You know, like, uh, not, it's, uh, there's, there, but there's been Mondays and years gone by where I, that was the morning I was tempted to resign. Right? It's like, I'm out of here. I'm done with this, man. It's, this doesn't work. But, but here's the thing. I, I think there are people in this room who say, Lord... You're going to do what you want, but I want my, I want my life to be in a receptive place. Uh, I think there are people that have carried things way too long that God's already dealt with. But, but we've entertained in our conscience and the enemy that's just like, you know, well, here's why. And every time your car breaks, well, here's why. In 1987, remember when you sinned? I mean, he's like, and he's good at that. Here's the thing. When we, when we entertain that stuff, you know what we do? It's not that we... Uh, we block ourselves from having a receptive. So when Jesus comes along and he wants to do something, Simon says, no, not me, Lord. You know, if you knew who I was, right? And we can do that. We can get good at that. And preachers can preach you under that. I've probably done that. Oh, I know I have. But I, don't, I wanted to say probably because it makes me feel bad. And then I won't be able to receive. The Lord wants to create space this morning. And, and this is up to you. He wants to create space. And maybe, maybe you bring your cup, your empty cup, up here. And we're going to make you feel real weird. We're going to wrestle you down on the floor. No. We're not going to touch you. We're not going to come over here and will you give to the church fund? We're not going to do any of that. Just you. And you can do it back there. But yeah, there's something about, oh, there's something about, something about. You've taken a step of faith. You're, 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 you're in the errorist. You're going to remember the day that you got up here. Remember the day. Wouldn't this be something? You have a sick grandma or you have a sick somebody or you got somebody that's wayward and really struggling. And, and you're, not, you're coming up, not for you, but you're coming up. I'm, I'm praying for my husband who's sick. I'm praying for my grandma. I'm praying for, I'm praying for, I've got a friend that's doing cancer treatments and, you know, I don't know either. But God, I'm just going to. And I really would like to go on a journey where you teach me from the scriptures, where, you, where I hear your voice, where I'm led by you. And so I'm going to bring this cup empty, this little. And when these guys play, I'm just going to arrowist this thing. I'm going, to, I'm going to make this a moment where I say, I heard and I believed. God does the God part. You do that part. 